Welcome to Nationwide Market Insights for January 3rd, 2024. Could a mild recession this year take the steam out of inflation? Last year's economy experienced prolonged inflation and rising interest rates. Yet, the consumer tried its best to remain strong, supported by rising wages and a tight labor market. The markets ended the year on a high note, boosted by optimism that the Fed was finally done raising rates. So, what would the economy look like in 2024, especially with a potential recession looming? This is Brian Kirk, and with me today to provide our economic outlook for 2024, we have Nationwide's Chief Economist, Kathy Bersancic, Senior Economist, Ben Ayers, and Financial Market Economist, Oren Klatchkin. Kathy, Ben, and Oren, hope you had a great holiday season and Happy New Year. Sure, over the holidays, you probably were approached by friends and family at the gatherings, and they were all asking you that question, what's the economy going to do this year? Well, we'd love to hear what you told them. So, Kathy, let's start with you. Thanks, Brian. Yeah, sometimes those conversations, I should say, happen uh, among the family particularly, and that's when my younger cohorts, my sons, politely excuse themselves saying, I've heard enough about the economy. Thank you very much. But seriously, you know, we see economic growth slowing in 2024. We're coming off a really robust growth rate in 2023, and particularly the third quarter over 5%. But we do think some of the air needs to come out of the economic engine, so to speak, and 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 things slow down. And, and as you indicated, We think that the silver lining is that some of the steam comes out of inflation as we go forward. Now, we're calling for a mild recession. And and the reason we'd say it's mild, most importantly, is that we only see the unemployment rate rising to 5% at most. Right now, it's it's sitting, um, as of of November, 3.7%, which is very low. It's still representative of a very tight labor market. What the Federal Reserve has been hoping is that as they increased interest rates over the past two years, that you would start to see a a slowing in demand for labor and and slowing in overall economic activity. Notwithstanding that really strong growth in the third quarter, overall, it looks like the Fed's been successful in cooling economic activity, and they hope to, to achieve a soft landing. But, you know, I think a mild recession would still be kind of a victory for the Fed Reserve in the sense that, you know, it is, you're not going to see a tremendous increase in unemployment, and yet it will help them get back to their 2% inflation target. And the slower growth is, frankly, the faster they can get back to 2%. Again, they're hoping for a soft landing, and that's what their forecast is. We just think that cumulative tightening that's been put in place and the fact that they will start to cut rates, but they're still very high that that's going to put uh, downward pressure on economic activity. And also, when you think about the pandemic-related savings that were accumulated, they've largely been used and spent um, $2.1 trillion worth of pandemic savings. We as consumers have done a good job to spend that and run it down. Um, So you don't have that tailwind. And we see signs in the labor market that things are slowing down. When you look at the sectors such as like government, health and education, which we would say are non-cyclical sectors, you see some slowing in the labor market. And we think that will continue and they'll slow things down. That is different than what the markets, frankly, are pricing in right now. They are pricing in aggressive 
rate cuts, which we'll, we'll talk further about. But what you see with whether it's looking at corporate bond spreads, which are really, really narrow, or particularly the equity market, which seemingly continues to, to rally strongly, their view is that economic growth will uh, remain quite buoyant, but that we'll, at the same time we'll see lower inflation, which will allow the Fed to, to cut rates. So we're a little bit more um, cautious in the outlook. But again, I think the, the real positive of everything is that inflation slows next year and that, that eventually the mm-hmm. Fed gets back to 2% inflation. Well, that'd be great. I know for the past two years, Kathy, the, the Fed's been busy raising rates over and over again to help slow down the pace of inflation. So the Fed funds rate still remains high today. It's putting a strain on consumers and businesses. When could the Fed start to loosen monetary policy again? Yeah, I mean, our view for, for a while now has been, you know, somewhere we're towards the middle part of 2024, they would cut rates. Um, again, that reflects slowing in economic growth and and this uh, mild recession, but also inflation trending lower. And inflation is really the number one driver for Fed monetary policy. And we think by the end of the year, we could actually see uh, the Fed funds rate drop to four to four and a quarter percent. Right now, that's higher, you know, 5.25 to five and a half percent. So that would be over a percentage point drop in the policy rate which is, you know, quite welcomed, but really it's slower than the pace that they would normally cut rates. And the reason is uh, because inflation is still elevated. Now, we, we think it inflation will trend below 3% in 2025, but again, it's going to be steady, but very gradual improvement because service side inflation still remains quite sticky. And and we also think that Chairman Powell, who heads up the FOMC, but all really of the FOMC members, they do not want to repeat the mistake of the 70s where they kind of took their foot off the brake a little bit and and loosened policy and then inflation resumed and, and, and actually surged higher. And then it resulted in the double dip recession in the 80s. They don't want inflation to rebound. And, and they also don't want it to stall out because they, they do f- firmly believe getting to 2% is the best outcome. And they're really focused on that. So in that sense, that's probably why they're going to be more gradual in cutting rates. And it's worth noting that the bond market you know, continues to sort of run ahead of the Federal Reserve. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. You know, we think that the, the the market is a bit too optimistic in in looking for a rate cut. You know, in, in the first quarter, it, to us, it's it's more of a second quarter, mid year event. Uh, because again, they're going to be more cautious in in reducing rates. Thank you, Kathy. Let's bring in Ben now. Ben, we just heard Kathy provide her outlook on when the Fed may start to lower rates again. Now, how could this impact Treasury yields in 2024? And also. How could this impact consumers and business owners this year, especially when it comes to home and auto markets? Sure. Yeah. Thanks, Brian. You know, Kathy, I think very well laid out a case for a higher for longer path from the Fed. That's not exactly what's being priced into the market right now. But, you know, that really drives the outlook that we have for all of the interest rate curves as we, as we look out over the next year. You know, long term treasuries been pretty volatile over the last couple months of 2023. Hopefully we don't see that much volatility. You know, we saw the 10-year got above 5%, back all the way down to 4%. You know, I, I, as Kathy said, I think that's a little bit overdone at this point. Um, but especially if the Fed does hold off on those rate cuts, 
that's still going to give a little bit of buoyancy to treasury yields as you look out over 2024. You know, you look at the 10 year in particular, you know, right now it's, you know, running about four, a little bit higher. I think it could rise a little bit. And I think we could be in that four to, you know, maybe not four and a half percent, but in that range, there could be some downside, I think, later in the year as the Fed starts to ease and maybe they put through several easing moves at, in the later meetings, uh, put some downward pressure. But I still think we'll see, say, a 10-year above 4%, maybe it gets down to 4% or a little bit lower by the end of the year. But that's still pretty high. That's that's higher than we've become accustomed to over the past decade and means much more of a higher for longer path across the Treasury curve as we look out over the next year. You know, you also have to factor in the high levels of Treasury issuance. You know, the government's school government is spending a lot of money. There's going to be a lot of treasury issuance over the next year. And we expect that to continue in 2024. And that's going to be another factor that's probably going to add some lift to yields, even as the overall rate environment maybe shifts in the downward direction as the Fed shifts course from a, you know, a pause they're currently on to an easing of monetary policy. You just have all this federal government spending coming through. That's going to add a little buoyancy again to, to the rates as well. Um, another consequence of what's likely to be a more modest easing cycle from the Fed is that the yield curve is, is likely to remain inverted for quite some time. And we've become used to when you see first signs of a downside for the economy, maybe going into a recession, that the Fed cuts very quickly. And therefore, we see a very quick steepening of the yield curve as you look out over previous cycles. Probably not going to happen this time around. We're less, less likely to see a very sharp cut in rates on the shorter end of the curve, which means you know, maybe it catches up and we do see a modest steepening over the course of 2024. But I think we're talking about, a, you know, a benchmark rate like the Fed funds rate being about equal with the 10 year. So a flat yield curve, not longer the inverted status that we've been in for really much of the past year, um, but still more of a flat yield curve and not really the normal steep, sharp steepening that we've become accustomed to. So, you know, I look at that and that's a pretty strong disincentive for consumers and businesses to invest in the long term. They might want to keep some money on the sidelines, put that in, get some free money when it comes from uh, earn that interest on the higher interest rates on the shorter end of the yield curve. So again, the downside risk for the economy and also a key factor to watch out as we look out. You know, I think the yield curve should normalize in 2025 as the Fed eases further at that point. That kind of helps promote the growth that we expect to see likely coming off of the mild recession. Um, importantly, again, this higher for longer path really impacts key loan rates for many consumers. You know, a 30-year fixed mortgage rate likely to remain above 7% probably until the middle stages, the later stages of 2024. You know, maybe by the end it gets down closer to 6%, but still, that's a pretty high rates, especially compared to where we've been for the last couple of years. And I think that's going to continue to restrict demand for homes because buyers are going to say, this is just too expensive, I can't afford this. Um, but it also is li limiting the number of existing homes that are listed for sale. Most homeowners still have a mortgage rate that's significantly below six or seven percent, and they don't want to trade up a three, three and a half percent mortgage to come into the market for a six or seven percent. So that's still going to limit the supply of homes, and that's going to restrict the overall activity that we see from the housing market over the next year. So we think the housing market is likely going to continue to struggle in 2024. I don't see a whole lot of further downside. We're already at a very low level from a sales perspective, but we're going to see restricted activity, not as many transactions, be continued pretty tough environment for buyers. And, and you know, if you see a mild recession, this makes it a little bit worse because some people might not have the incomes to buy a home 
and it's going to further restrict some activity across the housing market. So again, if we see the Fed start to ease, we're going to see some downward pressure on mortgage rates as we get towards the end of 24 and an end of 2025. Um, but really in recovery, I think for the housing market is really more of a 2025 story than a 2024 story as we look out for the next year. And then finally, we'll talk about autos. You know, the auto market, you know, likely to see very similarly some substantial headwinds caused by high loan rates and income impacts from a recession. You know, we could see light vehicle sales drop to around 15 million. That's not much lower than the pace that we're setting for 2023. It partially reflected that sales are already kind of depressed right now, given high interest rates and just the poor availability of new cars that we've had over the past couple of years. Um, but it also suggests that demand is going to have trouble keeping up and, and moving forward over the next year as well. So when you look at price standpoint, prices for both new and used cars could pull back a little bit too. Um, I don't expect the market to reverse all of the sharp price increases that we've seen for cars over the past couple of years, but could see a little bit further retrenchment, kind of what we've seen over the past six to 12 months as well. Thank you, Ben. Let's bring in our financial market economist, Oren Klanchkin, to provide his thoughts on 2024. Now, Oren, we heard from Kathy and Ben that we're expecting a mild recession this year. So what are the equity markets saying about that? Sure. So I think as a first step here, it's important for me to quickly discuss uh, the equity market's performance in 2023. So equity markets ended last year in a much different spot than where we thought they would at the start of the year. So at the start of last year, we and many other economists thought that the economy would slip into a mild recession, and that that in turn would lead equities to decrease. Fast forward to the end of last year, and in fact, actually, the economy managed to outperform expectations. Our latest estimates uh, peg 2023 real growth in the economy at around 2.5%. This alongside with the fact that the Fed essentially took their foot off of the uh, pedal when it comes to rate hikes, particularly at the end of last year, essentially led equities to rally quite significantly. The S&P 500 ended last year up something in the order of 25%. That said, I should also mention that it's really important to know that much of last year's gain was really underpinned by only a handful of equities. Some in the market call them the Magnificent Seven, others call them the Magnificent um, Five. It really depends on which companies you look at. But essentially what they are, are the large major tech companies that are included in the S&P 500. If you take out those companies and look at the other 495 or so companies that are included in the S&P 500, those firms had a much worse 2023, both from an equity market performance perspective and from a earnings perspective. So while at the surface, the headline S&P number does uh, signal a fairly robust picture, as with anything in markets, it's it's really important to look not only at the headline numbers. Looking ahead to what we expect for this year, uh, we, we essentially see a path for additional gains in equities in the first quarter, followed by softness in the second quarter as the economy enters a mild recession and corporate earnings in turn decrease. 
We expect more losses in the third quarter as the weakness persists. And then we look for a rebound towards uh, the end of 2024 as economic activity begins to recover. However, the losses that we expect for 2024 are not going to be like anything we've seen in uh, recent past recessions. So just to give listeners some additional context, um, in, in 08 and in 09, during the global financial crisis, the S&P 500 fell something in the order of 20% on average. In 2001, during the dot-com recession, the S&P 500 also lost something in the order of 20%. The performance that we expect out of the equity market overall in 2024 isn't going to be nearly as severe as the losses that we had in 08, 09, and in 2001. And also, there's some additional context here that I think the listeners will also find um, interesting is that if you take the equity market performance and draw a statistical analysis with that compared to the economic cycle, we can see that there really is not a significant core relation between equity market downturns and recessions. So we shouldn't maybe expect to see a quite significant loss in equities. And then I think it's also very important to note that even if we do get losses, history shows us that any of those losses are usually made up for relatively quickly. So usually by the end of the following year after the recession is over, the equity market tends to basically recoup everything, or I should say all of its losses. So any losses should not persist into the medium or even uh, longer term. Turning to some of the other uh, important markets uh, or important parts of the market that I want to bring our listeners' attention to. We are expecting corporate bond spreads to increase as the um, recession hits and investors shift into a risk-off mode. This also brings to mind that we should also expect to see some additional volatility in the market as the economy transitions from expansion to contraction and as a consumers cut back on their spending, and businesses uh, rein in on hiring and um, investment. From the uh, monetary policy perspective, we think that the Fed rate cuts that we anticipate that will happen in 2023 should lend some support to the equity market and uh, prevent it from recording even more severe losses in 2024. Thank you, Orin. Appreciate that. This is going to be a big year, 2024, especially with things like the Summer Olympics happening in Paris. And later this year, we have a presidential election in the U.S. And of course, other countries are also electing new leadership. And we're going to start off the, uh, or actually end the year with an expanded college football playoff system, which will be great. So aside from your economic forecasts, Kathy, Ben, and Orin, what bold predictions would you like to make for 2024? Ben, let's start with you. Sure. Well, I, I'd, I'd love to say that the Browns will finally make and take a Super Bowl, but that seems to be the most unrealistic prediction we would make today. So I guess I'll go with the more conventional with the current Super Bowl favorite, the San Francisco 49ers win the championship this year. Ben, you uh, took my uh, pick for the year, so sorry. hopefully we're right. <laughs> <laughs> well. If two of you pick it, then that means it's going to happen, right? So, 
Oh, that's a consensus for me. Got to watch out for consensus. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's right. Well, so that's going to be your prediction too, then, right? The Niners. Do you know who they're going to play this year? Do you have an idea who they could be matched up against? Maybe the Cowboys. I'm not, not, not too sure. <laughs> Possibly. Well, that'll be the NFC Championship, and there's been a lot of great NFC Championships with those two teams. So I'd be okay with that. But for the AFC, it's probably going to be what uh, KC or Jacksonville. Uh, maybe the Ravens, unfortunately. Oh, <laughs> unfortunately, from our Browns fan here in the room. So definitely not much love between those two cities or those two teams. So, Kathy, how about you? Any bold predictions? Yeah, so I'll shift it towards baseball. And being from New York, I'll go ahead and say, uh, and, and being a family of Mets fans, you know, we do like to suffer a bit, um, that uh, the <laughs> Mets, I won't say they'll win the World Series, but that they will make it to the World Series in 2024 that could happen and who do you think they that might match up against in the world series mets versus who from the al you know we, i hate to say but when you're in new york it, it doesn't really matter who the other opponents are we just root for new york um okay. so no i and that's a that's a cover it up could be the yankees saying it, I, I, a, it could be right it could be a subway series, series. um now that's a good way of covering up i'm not really sure um from the al who would be there um but i think stevie cohen's gonna do you know try to revamp the Mets let's put it that way maybe this is the year for the Mets then and then let me go ahead and play along too I'm going to go ahead and try to give a non-sports prediction Uh, I'm a big movie fan so let's see what the Oscars do I got a feeling that they might go bold this year with a different type of movie to award for best picture let's surprise everybody and see what Barbie can do at the the Oscars maybe maybe Barbie will be the best picture from last year we'll find out here in a few weeks so this has been a great podcast to our audience We wish you a happy new year and please stay tuned for more informative podcasts throughout the year. We're going to provide our analysis and outlook for the economy and financial markets. So please make sure you subscribe to receive notifications when each new episode is released. Until next time, for Nationwide Market Insights, this is Brian Kirk. Information provided by Nationwide Economics is general in nature and not intended as investment or economic advice or a recommendation to buy or sell any security or adopt any investment strategy. Additionally, it does not take into account any specific investment objectives, tax, or financial condition, or particular needs of any specific person. The economic and market forecasts reflect our opinion as of the date of this report and are subject to change without notice. These forecasts show a broad range of possible outcomes. Because they are subject to high levels of uncertainty, they will not reflect actual performance. We obtain certain information from sources deemed reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, completeness, or fairness. Nationwide and the Nationwide Inn and Eagle are service marks of the Nationwide Mutual Insurance Company. Copyright 2024, Nationwide.